What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for a brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am your host, Andrew for America, and it is a glorious time in the great state of Minnesota right now, in my humble opinion, because dictator Governor Waltz recently signed into law with Jesse the body Governor Ventura standing behind him the legalization of adult recreational use of cannabis. Unbelievable. So there's going to be some business opportunities opening opening up here in my state. And those of you that know me know that I have been waiting for this day for quite some time now. <laughs> I have already had plans on paper to get an operation up and running legally should the day ever come where it's made legal here in my new state of residence. So I'm not going to talk about that stuff yet on the show because it's still in progress in process uh, infrastructures and reconnaissance is being done at the moment. But that is a glorious, glorious uh, news bit for me, myself, personally. So that's cool. Hopefully maybe I can get some new funding and maybe uh, make the show better. Maybe I'll take some funds from that venture and put it into this podcast. Who knows? So that's cool. Wanted to kick off the show talking about that fantastic news. Um, feel however you want to feel about the use, growing, selling, uh, etc. of all things cannabis products, gummies, drinks, flour, pens, etc. You know what's fucking crazy about that, though? Did you know that the law in the state of Minnesota not too long ago was if you got caught with, I believe it's a gram of uh, dab pens, uh, you know, uh, highly concentrated uh, cannabis, THC, that it was a felony. You could get caught with like some amount of actual flour, actual uh, bud weed, right? And I think it was just a misdemeanor or some petty crime. But a pen cartridge was a felony. And now it's going to be legal. And this goes right back to my moral versus legal episode. When I was talking about Christy Nome and how she handled this exact same situation in the state of South Dakota. Do you think that's moral? To charge someone with a first time felony for getting caught? with a cartridge of weed, and now with the wielding of a pen to paper. It's no longer a felony. It's not even a fucking crime anymore. Do you see how stupid this shit is? And see how stupid this shit sounds when someone just sounds it out with sentences to you? 
You know, I mean, that's how little we Americans think about any issue. We don't even think about it. We just let the TV tell us what's going on. It's pathetic and it's disgusting and it makes me sick. But I'm going to smoke some weed about it. (laughs) You know what? I might even sell some weed about it. (laughs) I digress. Let's move on. Speaker of the House. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, I believe is his name. Well, this guy decided to kick the can down the road a little bit more. Apparently had a closed-door meeting with President uh, Biden, which is bullshit because, I mean, did Biden have an earpiece in or did McCarthy just tell him in this closed-door meeting what he was going to do? Because let's be honest, Joe Biden ain't all there. Joe Biden might already be gone, and that might be a robot android that we see on our TV screens playing the role of President Joe Biden. I find it very difficult to believe that that guy is a human being. Um, The more I see what's going on. He just fell down. I'm sure you all, everyone's talking about him falling at this commencement uh, speech for the military school. I don't know which one it was. I don't really care. Point is, is that when I heard that Joe Biden had a closed door meeting with Kevin McCarthy and they decided to uh, settle this debt ceiling deal, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what, what did Biden say in that meeting? Oh, man, I would have loved to have been a, a fly on the wall in that closed-door session. But Kevin McCarthy, people, World Economic Forum uh, infiltrated, I believe. And I would love to talk to Matt Gates and Lauren Bobbert about what McCarthy said to them uh, on the government floor, whatever it was, House, Senate, I forget. When he was, when, remember when we saw on TV him going up and down the aisles trying to get the votes, trying to get the votes, let me get in, trying to work deals with everybody so that he could become the speaker. And now he became the speaker, and now look what he's doing. The big club, Federal Reserve, World Economic Forum people, he's helping them out. By kicking that can down the road just a little bit more. And under the guise of Memorial Day, how disgusting and sinister these people are. They are Lucifer incarnate. In my humble opinion, of course. Um, I like to stay uh, religion neutral here on the show. <laughs> Not gender neutral, but religion neutral. Um... So that's going to be interesting. So basically, your kids are even more in debt. Your grandkids even more in debt. Um, everything I've been talking about on this podcast seems to be coming uh, into fruition, into reality. Uh, the plan is moving right along uh, as planned. Uh, and today, I'm going to share a clip that is a little bit terrifying. Uh, and it's a little bit validating and not that the validation part makes me feel any better because in my experience, anytime some of my claims and research gets validated with real life happenings and occurrences, it's never a positive thing. It always seems to be a negative thing when 
uh, time marches on to a place where something I said or theorized becomes objective truth in this world. Uh, I'm going to play a, a clip from a podcast that was sent to me by Brian from the It's a Hard Rock Life podcast. And the episode is called Inside the Communist Takeover with Patrick Byrne. I'm not so sure who he is, but he has a lot of very interesting information that he shares on this podcast that sounds a lot like me, validates a lot of the things I've said on this show, and further hammers home uh, a few of my always consistent points. And I'm sorry to report, my fellow Americans, that that is not good news for you, for me, or for any of us. All of us are in trouble if what this man says on this show is even half true. Uh, he appeared on the Courtney Turner podcast and I believe this is on Spotify. I'm sure, I don't know who she is, but I'm sure you can find her podcast all over the place. Um, I'm going to play this clip for you and I'm going to deconstruct it and go over it uh, at the end. So go grab a beverage Strap on your seatbelt, my fellow Americans, and prepare yourself. You know, you might want to sit down. Prepare yourself to be frightened, uh, but also prepare yourself to uh, know in your heart of hearts that there is a way to fight and or combat what's coming if these claims are in fact accurate and true. There's still hope. It's not the doom and gloom end of the world that it may seem to be, okay? So don't worry too much. But again, this is intended to be a cautionary thing. I said in the last episode, I am mentally preparing you, my fellow Americans, for what might be coming and I, I you know like I always say I don't know for sure I know I speak quite surely uh, quite often I know I do come off and sound like I know what's going on all the time and I have all the answers and I'm the one to listen to which maybe that's true occasionally but that's not the point that's not me stroking my ego I'm not doing this in order to win some contest of rightness and correctness okay I'm on my quest for absolute truth because I want to know what the fucking purpose of life is. I want to know why we're here. I want to know what the bigger plan is. And I want to know how to help all of us further our lot in life along to a place that we can see a future, that we can see hope, that we can be excited about bringing new human beings into this world. Uh, 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 a peace, love, empathy, peace, love, unity, respect, uh, utopian, amazing, heavenly world, right? That's what we all want in our dramatic imaginations, right? Well, how the hell do we get there if that's the goal? 
if that's the ideal that we all secretly desire, whether we ever verbalize it in our lives or not. But it always gets worse before it gets better. And you got to take the opportunity and the positivity when you see it, when you see it, when you are in the underworld, when you are in a state of chaos. It's terrifying, but it's promising, in the words of Jordan Peterson. The time scale is um, constrained. It's sped up. And there's a lot of play of possibilities in the underworld during a time of chaos where the gods play, where the duality of man, mankind swims with the spirits and the demons in the underworld, people. You got to go find those dragons protecting the gold because if you can defeat the dragon. You just might get the gold, my fellow Americans. Go grab a beverage, strap on your seatbelts, take a seat, and listen to this. What do you think about, so I have a couple of questions from that. What do you think their goals are with, because, uh, so obviously there's some financial interest, clearly, but I think the goal is bigger than that, right? It's not just a fiscal no, the, yeah. the Chinese goal is very well understood. You can look in a book called Unrestricted Warfare, right. 1998. Also a speech by Minister of Defense, Chu Haotian, that when he retired in 03, he gave a speech that leaked, highest level leak in Chinese history, where he laid it out. And their goal is through first destabilizing us with bioweapons and another means of attack to crater us, we get into civil war and civil war, 90% of us die in the course of a year just from supply chain collapse. Then they, under the guise of, oh, it's a race war. It's going to turn into, and you know, it's going to, they're going to make, do everything they can to make it a race war. But, and then once it's, once it's going, they say, ah, oh, it's a race war in America. We need the United Nations to step in. They'll come in, take the cities. There will be a three-year period where they and the cartels get to rape, pillage, loot, and burn. So we are a husk. They leave alive 30 million whites. They don't want the others. They leave alive 30 million whites to serve as slaves. They colonize us, thus solving the top three security concerns of China, which are food, food, and food. And this solves a 2,500-year-old problem for China. And if you don't believe me, believe the Minister of Defense of China, who said all this in a speech that leaked. Okay? So it's not me being crazy or look at this the book Unrestricted Warfare, which is all about the, the, how they're going to use different levels of warfare. By the way, only the final level is one that we even understand as warfare, where bullets fly. They don't even need it. In their perfect world, that never happens. It's movement warfare. They're orchestrating behind the scenes and helping movements, movement warfare that, that shatters us. And the millions of people who are going to cross the, the million people who cross the border in the next month, a whole bunch of them are in on this game plan. Yeah. Do, you th do they know they're in on this game plan? Yeah, a whole bunch of them are trained in, in the southern half of Venezuela is now basically a terrorist training camp. And there's tr training going on for terrorist types from around the world. The, the camps, the prisons, but especially the prisons of Venezuela, 
have looked have released thousands of rapist murderers, and this is specifically what they're doing. Anyone who's a rapist murderer gets released. They get a plane ticket to Panama, and they are integrated into that stream. You have both Chinese and Russian security, FSB, have offices along that stream of millions of humans coming. They are, they are recruiting people, but they are thousands. Venezuela released 4,000 rapist murderers from their prisons. And this is what Biden is saying we have to... So this is, this is a... Well, there, there was a Venezuelan guy who did a TikTok a few months ago who's in this caravan, and he's a real handsome kid. And, and you know, as, as he says, we're what's coming for you. People look like me. You think we're real nice? Fall asleep at a bus stop. Fall asleep at a subway. We're going to slit your throat. And the nation, in two years, it will be the nation formerly known as the United States of America. That's hard. Just, you know, well, I hate to hate to ruin your day, but that's what's coming for you. Not, may as well not sugarcoat it. Might as well what? May as well not sugarcoat it. No, no. We have, people need to know. Um, I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess the big one is, well, is there anything that can be done to stop this? Oh, yeah. They can stop it. So they can stop it in one week. Put Tom Holman in charge. He'll stop it in 10 days, just like it took him about 45 days to stop it when Donald Trump gave him the green light. Now they just reactivate that. It's all stopped in 10 days. It's stop like that. This is all deliberate. The collapse of the seven border is deliberate. Where it's deliberate. I Part of their revolution. Right. So with the revolutions, you, you know, if you look back in history, they fund both sides of these revolutions. Yeah, they want us to collapse in the Civil War. And okay. then we are, we get, for three years, we are pillaged. But when there's nothing left but a carcass, we get turned over to the Chinese. They have already distributed the deeds in China. Your home in, in Franklin, Tennessee, already has a deed. Some Chinese colonel already has a deed on your home. He thinks that when the smoke clears, which he, they now believe is 2028, maybe 2027, when the smoke clears, he already knows that's a Courtney, he, look, he looks at you like Google Earth. He sees the little hot tub you put in last summer. He thanks you for it. He's looking forward to using it. They believe they're occupying that home by 2028, maybe 2027. So where does the, where does our like military industrial complex fall into all of this? And how does this fall in line with the, you know, the plans for the one world government takeover? And do you see, sorry, I have a third part to that question. Do you see China as having been their model? You know, I mean, we basically empowered China and do you think they went rogue or do you think they're still a part of this whole master plan to create this one world? I think China's, the speed of China's success took them by surprise. I think they uh, originally saw themselves in an alliance with China. Look, whoever has a global ambition, step one is you have to defeat the United States. You have to knock us out of the game. Right. So, so both the WF and China have that. Now they thought they would be arguing over the spoils. Klaus Schwab and Soros found out that's not what China wants. China wants a Beijing-centered world where everything is in concentric circles around it, and they are vassal states to the great emperor. That's what they want, and that's why a year ago, 18 months ago, you saw George Soros sh split and say, ah, oh, emperor, I mean, uh, President Xi 
is the enemy of humanity, is the greatest threat to the... That's why they shared the mission until then of taking us down, but they... Uh, but now Klaus Rob understands China wants to integrate them. What they are is Nazism 2.0. They're Central European, Hanoverian-type powers who always resented that we broke free, and they want they want what the what the Nazis 1.0 wanted, but they realize they don't need bullets to do it. They can use movement warfare. So that's the WEF, and that's that's what's going on here. At this point, they are trying to integrate one super state that will stand up to Eurasia, China, Russia. That's what the WEF is about. They're trying to get that done, and it's Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, U.S., Canada, you know that, uh, and and Western Europe. Right, right. The, That's what they're struggling over. Right, the the Anglo-American establishment versus the versus the Slav yeah. slave establishment, one form another slavery. Right. Yeah, for sure. However, the WEF, you know, they just want a, a modified form of slavery. I mean, no, they're, they're, so, yeah, neo feudal. Yeah, neo feudal. All right, people. Boy, do I have a lot to unpack from that clip. So let's start it off with this. Apparently, there's a book out in the world called Unrestricted Warfare by Colonel Kyo Leong. Uh, don't know if I pronounced that correctly. And here is the write-up. You can buy this book for like 20 bucks on at Walmart right now. I'm online taking a look at it right now. A sobering and fascinating study on war in the modern era. Unrestricted warfare carefully explores strategies that militarily and politically disadvantaged nations might take in order to successfully attack a geopolitical superpower like the United States of America. American military doctrine is typically led by technology. A new class of weapon or vehicle is developed, which allows or encourages an adjustment in strategy. Military strategists Kyo Leung and Wang Xingxi uh, argue that this, and I apologize if I mispronounce that, argue that this dynamic is a crucial weakness in the American military and that this blind spot with regard to alternative forms of warfare could effectively be exploited by enemies. Unrestricted warfare concerns the many ways in which this might occur and in turn suggests what the United States might do to defend itself. The traditional mentality that offensive action is limited to military action is no longer adequate given the range of contemporary threats and the rising costs both in dollars and in lives lost in uh, traditional warfare. And that's what, uh, what Patrick Burns says in this piece. He says, they don't need to put boots on the ground and come fight us. They have got other methods that they are employing. And one of them is movement uh, terrorism or, or movement warfare where they create a Black Lives Matter, or they create a wokeism movement, or they create a Proud Boys, or whatever. And then they pit these groups against each other to do their dirty work. It's a form of proxy warfare, exactly like what we are doing in Ukraine 
right now as we speak. Uh, instead, the authors suggest the significance of alternatives to direct military confrontation, including international policy, economic warfare. Think about that. China owns a lot of our bonds. They're buying up a lot of our real estate. Slowly but surely, the long game, slow usurpations, attacks on digital infrastructure and networks, TikTok, etc. That's already happening. Um, and terrorism, of course. And terrorism is what's going on in southern Venezuela right now with these people that are flooding across the southern border, if you even want to call it a border anymore, and coming into this country. Apparently, they're training these people to, you know, they're, release, they're releasing rapists and murderers to be... It's like this Trojan horse. They're walking across the border like refugees, um, you know, homeless and and looking for a better life because of the spoils of, of or not the spoils, because of the horrors of warfare and whatever's going on in their countries of origin, right? Well, guess what? What if those people are trained killers? <laughs> you ever think about that? Why is it they don't that the Biden administration doesn't want to secure the southern border? A lot of people say he's in the pocket of China. Is a picture fucking starting to form for you, my fellow Americans? Think about it. Why are they kicking the can down the road a little bit more? Why do what why do the Democrats want to keep the war continuous? And he even says in this clip, he's talking about uh, Eurasia and East Asia. It's right out of 1984. It's like 1984 was the blueprint. I've been over this a million times. Orwell was a prophet. What he wrote about is what is fucking happening, people. Of course, that's my humble opinion. But I got oceans and <laughs> volumes and continents worth of evidence to back up my claims. Let's go on. Even a relatively insignificant state can incapacitate a far more powerful enemy by applying pressure to their economic and political systems. And people, that is exactly what is happening right now as we speak in this country. Exploring each of these considerations with remarkable insight and clarity, unrestricted warfare is an engaging evaluation of our geopolitical future okay so go pick up that book immediately this book I believe to be a unicorn of sorts <laughs> if you don't believe me believe the Chinese who wrote about it and put it in a book okay Call it nonsense, bullshit, conspiracy theory, all you want. You coward. Get better. Get smarter. Become more aware, more connected, more mature, more courageous, more pragmatic. Let's figure out who we are, people, before it's too late. I'm going to go hit a commercial, and I'm going to keep talking about this piece when I get back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, people, welcome back to the show. So uh, that clip that we just listened to at the beginning, um, I'm going to play it for you again just to set it up again because I, I did the commercial and now I'm like, I hope uh, none of us lost our train of thought uh, because I already kind of did. So here we go. I'm going to play that clip for you one more time and uh, take a listen once again. What do you think about, so I have a couple of questions from that. What do you think their goals are? With because uh, so obviously there's some financial interest clearly, but I think the goal is bigger than that, right? It's not just the fiscal. No, no, the the Chinese goal is very well understood. You can look in a book called Unrestricted Warfare, right? 1998. Also, a speech by Minister of Defense Chu Haotian that when he retired in 03, he gave a speech that leaked, highest level leak in Chinese history, where he laid it out. And their goal is through first destabilizing us with bioweapons and another means of attack to crater us. We get into civil war and civil war, 90% of us die in the course of a year just from supply chain collapse. Then they, under the guise of, oh, it's a race war. It's going to turn into, and you know, it's going to, they're going to make, do everything they can to make it a race war. But, and then once it's, once it's going, they say, ah, it's a race war in America. We need the United Nations to step in. They'll come in, take the cities. There will be a three-year period where they and the cartels get to rape, pillage, loot, and burn till we are a husk. They leave alive 30 million whites. They don't want the others. They leave alive 30 million whites to serve as slaves. They colonize us, thus solving the top three security concerns of China, which are food, food, and food. And this solves a 2,500-year-old problem for China. And if you don't believe me, believe the Minister of Defense of China who said all this in a speech that leaked, okay? So it's not me being crazy or look at this, the book Unrestricted Warfare, which is all about how they're going to use different levels of warfare. By the way, only the final level is one that we even understand as warfare where bullets fly. They don't even need it. In their perfect world, that never happens. It's movement warfare. They're orchestrating behind the scenes and helping movements, movement warfare that, that shatters us. And the millions of people are going to cross the, the million people who cross the border in the next month, a whole bunch of them are in on this game plan. Yeah. Do you think, do they know they're in on this game plan? Yeah, a whole bunch of them are trained in, in the southern half of Venezuela is now basically a terrorist training camp. And there's t- training going on for terrorist types from around the world. The, the camps, the prisons, but especially the prisons of Venezuela have looked, have released thousands of rapist murderers. And this is specifically what they're doing. Anyone who's a rapist murderer gets released. They got a plane ticket to Panama and they were integrated in that stream. You have both Chinese and Russian security, FSB, have offices along that stream of millions of humans coming. 
They are they are recruiting people, but they are thousands. Venezuela released four thousand rapist murderers from their prisons, and this is what Biden is saying. We have to. So this is this is a well. There there was a Venezuelan guy who did a TikTok a few months ago who's in this caravan and he's a real handsome kid. And and you know as as he says, we're what's coming for you. People look like me. You think we're real nice? Fall asleep at a bus stop. Fall asleep at a subway. We're gonna slit your throat. And the nation in two years it will be the nation formerly known as the United States of America. That's hard. Just you know, well, I hate to hate to ruin your day, but that's what's coming for you. Not may as well not sugarcoat it. Might as well what? May as well not sugarcoat it. No, no. We have people need to know. Um, I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess the big one is: what well, is there anything that can be done to stop this? Oh yeah, they could stop it. So they could stop it in one week. Put Tom Holman in charge. He'll stop it in ten days, just like it took him about. 45 days to stop it when Donald Trump gave him the green light. Now they just reactivate that. It's all stopped in 10 days. It's stop like that. This is all deliberate. The collapse of the southern border is deliberate. Where it's deliberate. I Part of their revolution. Right. So with the revolution, do, do you know, if you look back in history, they fund both sides of these revolutions. Yeah, they want us to collapse in the Civil War. And okay. then we are, we get, for three years, we are pillaged. But when there's nothing left but a carcass, we get turned over to the Chinese they have already distributed the deeds in China. Your home in in Franklin, Tennessee, already has a deed. Some Chinese colonel already has a deed on your home. He thinks that when the smoke clears, which he, they now believe is 2028, maybe 2027, when the smoke clears, he already knows that's a Courtney. He looked. He looks at you like Google Earth. He sees the little hot tub you put in last summer. He thanks you for it. He's looking forward to using it. They believe they're occupying that home by 2028, maybe 2027. So where does the where does our like military industrial complex fall into all of this? And how does this fall in line with the, you know, the plans for the one world government takeover? And do you see sorry, I have a third part to that question. Do you see China as having been their model? You know, I mean, we basically empowered China. And do you think they went rogue or do you think they're still a part of this whole master plan to create this one world? So I think China's, the speed of China's success took them by surprise. I think they uh, originally saw themselves in an alliance with China. Look, whoever has a global ambition, step one is you have to defeat the United States. You have to knock us out of the game. Right. So, so both the WF and China had that. Now they thought they would be arguing over the spoils. Klaus Schwab and Soros found out that's not what China wants. China wants a Beijing-centered world where everything is in concentric circles around it and they are vassal states to the great emperor. That's what they want. And that's why a year ago, 18 months ago, you saw George Soros sh split and say, ah, oh, emperor, I mean, uh, President Xi is the enemy of humanity, is the greatest threat to the... That's why. They shared the mission until then of taking us down, but they... Uh, but now, Klaus Schwab understands China wants to integrate them. What they are is Nazism 2.0. They're Central European, Hanoverian-type powers who always resented that we broke free, 
and they want they want what the what the Nazis 1.0 wanted, but they realize they don't need bullets to do it. They can use movement warfare. So that's the WEF, and that's that's what's going on here. At this point, they are trying to integrate one super state that will stand up to Eurasia, China, Russia. That's what the WEF is about. They're trying to get that done, and it's Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, U.S., Canada, you know that, uh, and and Western Europe. Right, right. The, that's what they're struggling over. Right, the the Anglo-American establishment versus the versus the Slav yeah. slave establishment, one form another slavery. Right. Yeah, for sure. However, the WEF, you know, they just want a, a modified form of slavery. I mean, yeah, they, they, so, yeah a neo-feudal. Yeah. Okay. So in the previous segment, I went over the unrestricted warfare book written by the Chinese. Um, and then I kind of mentioned that whole Venezuela thing. Think about that, people. Why would they be training these people? Releasing these rapists and murderers from prison in Venezuela. Because you know about recent Venezuelan history, don't you? Their entire civilization and economy collapsed. The hyperinflation of their currency skyrocketed, which basically destroyed, uh, uh, you know, everything. It, it was a depression much worse than the American Great Depression. A lot of people would say. And what are you going to do with all these people that are in terrible, horrible living conditions, you know, with the threat of death and starvation and sickness and whatever every single day? You know, the old third world country, I guess you could say, quote unquote, a non-civilized, you know, barbarous, uh, brutal tribal group, right? taking it back to the old school of human beings. And can you imagine if that's what they're doing? They're letting all these criminals down there out, and they're saying, here, here's some money. We're going to give you a better life. All I got to do is go across the border and do our bidding. And we're going to disguise that operation in uh, this political bullshit game back and forth conversation about why we are or are not securing the southern border and clearly we are not and clearly a lot of law enforcement that works there day in and day out trying to combat and fight the situation who have been pleading and begging the government to step in and do something for years now you know this guy says uh tom homan is the guy that can fix it he said send tom homan in there and that's the silver lining this guy can turn it around in a week right so who's thomas homan you may ask. Thomas Douglas Holman is an American former police officer, government official who served during the Trump administration as acting director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, from January 30th, 2017 to June 29, 2018. Within the U.S. government, he is among the earliest proponents of separating children from their parents as a means of deterring illegal entry into the country so says Wikipedia. So take that sentence with a grain of salt. Uh, that's not too, that's not, that's kind of an accusatory sentence somebody probably put in here to discredit the guy. Uh, even if it's true, who cares? Okay, so 
I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. He was the uh, guy that t- Trump demoted uh, director Daniel Ragsdale to deputy director position he already held and appointed Homan as acting director. Oh, I'm sorry. He demoted this guy, Daniel Ragsdale, and put Homan in place. May 2017, Homan announced ICE had arrested 41,000 people between Inauguration Day and the end of April, a 38 in, uh, a 38% increase from the same period the year before. Uh, Homan said that undo- undocumented immigrants should be afraid. He has denied saying aliens commit more crimes than uh, United States citizens. Well, guess what? What if that's true? What if the plan is for these aliens to come in and commit more crimes against U.S. citizens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's a little bit about who Tom Homan is. And this guy, Patrick Byrne, uh, makes this claim saying that Homan's the guy. So let's learn about Patrick Byrne. Who is this guy that's talking about all this doom and gloom China stuff? So we've already discovered that the book he talked about is not bullshit. You can go buy it right now. Uh, We've determined uh, that the Venezuela story may be true because we know the recent history of what's going on in Venezuela. And sadly, if something similar happens to us in the United States, guaranteed a lot of our citizens are going to do what they got to do. And if someone gives them money and a future to say, go kill these people for us, guess what? You better be armed. (laughs) And here's another one of the multitude million of reasons I continue to bring up the Second Amendment. Remember uh, Eva Vlardingerbrook saying you Americans should be happy that you still have the Second Amendment. They're buying us off of our land in the Netherlands. You don't think they're trying to disarm us for a very specific reason, my fellow Americans? Are you kidding me? If we disarm ourselves, China is going to walk the fuck in and take over this country. Probably. Don't quote me on that. But that's what this shit looks like to me. But uh, let's learn about Patrick Michael Byrne here, the guy speaking in this clip, because his background is a little interesting and curious. So Patrick Byrne is an American businessman. He launched Overstock.com after leading two smaller companies. He led Overstock as the CEO for two decades. Uh, He took Overstock uh, public. Had uh, early tenure, he attracted public attention for long-running legal battle against short sellers and naked short selling, which I've talked about before. Uh, He eventually resigned as CEO following uh, the revelations that he had been in an intimate relationship with Russian special agent and later politician, Maria Bettina. Hmm. Interesting. Byrne then emerged as a leading figure in promoting conspiracy theories, including deep state conspiracy theories. He repeatedly promoted unevidenced claims that Donald Trump had won the 2020 presidential election due to voter fraud. And clearly when whoever wrote this write-up about him uh, didn't realize that the future was going to happen, and that's becoming painfully obvious to everybody that that's in fact the truth. Uh, Byrne uh, has also toured the United States in order to provide anti-vaccination stump speeches He was a COVID-19 conspiracy theorist, promoter, misinformation, yada, 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 right? Okay, but then take a listen to this. 
Uh, he was born Fort Wayne, Indiana, grew up in Woodstock, Vermont, Hanover, New Hampshire, son of John J. Byrne, former chairman of Berkshire Hathaway's Geico Insurance subsidiary, White Mountains Insurance Group. His father was a friend of Warren Buffett, leader of Berkshire Hathaway. Byrne holds a certificate from Mm, Beijing Normal University has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Chinese Studies from Dartmouth. Ding, ding, ding. A Master's degree from King's College and Cambridge as a Marshall Scholar and Ph.D. in Philosophy from Stanford. Okay. Byrne was a teaching fellow at Stanford, 89-91, manager at Black Hawk Investment Company. Not to be confused with Black Rock. He served as chairman, president, CEO of Centricut, a manufacturer of industrial torches, and uh, worked for Berkshire Hathaway affiliated companies, manufactured uniforms for police officers, firefighters, and the police. So, uh, Republican, donor, supporter of Trump, supporter of all things conservative, big business, stereotypical. Uh, right winger. Okay. Seems like seemingly. I mean, don't quote me on that. Just from reading up uh, uh, this guy's blurb. Sounds like that's kind of the deal. Okay. Uh, let's read on. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Russian agent Maria Bettina. Uh, deep state conspiracy theories. He's an active shareholder campaign contributor. Uh, had to step down as CEO because of activist shareholder uh, stuff. So either he had an awakening and uh, saw what was happening in the world uh, and probably got some information from his uh, spy girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> Byrne was the largest donor to political causes in Utah during the 20, uh, 2003 to 2006 uh, his father, Jack Byrne, was the third largest giving donor, fourth largest Utah individual donor to Republicans, and the fifth largest individual Utah donor to Democrats during the time period. Interesting. Uh, father and son pair each gave half a million dollars, 2004 Democrat vice president nominee John Edwards. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, attacking John Edwards. Yeah, of course. Uh, and Byrne also gave some money to Swift Vets POWs for Truth, a group that attacked the Vietnam War service of Senator John Kerry. That's hilarious. Uh, during the 2004 Democratic presidential nominee uh, campaign. So clearly they were trying to attack his candidacy. And um, I think that's it. To, uh, 2020, Byrne promoted Donald Trump's claim that he actually won the election. Along with Steve Bannon and Lynn Wood, among others, Byrne was a leading figure in the assortment of ally, <clears throat> excuse me, allies gathered by Trump to amplify his conspiracy theories, blah, blah. So Wikipedia is calling this guy demon word, conspiracy theorist, yada, yada. Okay. Um, so that's enough. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff on this guy. If you want to read up on Patrick Byrne, uh, the guest on the courtney turner show here in this clip okay let's move on i'm getting carried away with this guy um another thing i wanted to think about so if this china stuff is true think about what he said he said china didn't realize their speed of success 
they didn't realize how fast they were going to grow economically. And remember uh, Professor Wolf in, um, I guess you guys haven't heard that clip yet because it's in Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics Part 8, TikTok, TikTok, I kick it off with him. So, oops, spoiler alert. He talks about how fast China has developed four times faster than the United States did during its Industrial Revolution. Okay, so China is going to take over this world if they continue on economically, technologically, militarily, etc., at the speed that they are currently going. My fellow Americans, put that in your legalized pipe and smoke it because that is objective truth, whether you like it or not. Okay? Um, and remember when he was talking about there's a Chinese guy that has a deed on your house right now. They've probably infiltrated all records, all, all information that they can find through TikTok probably or through just hacking and whatever uh, cyber stuff, you know. And they even said soon uh, a cyber attack might come after this uh, if this whole civil war or whatever, maybe World War Three situation kicks off. Klaus Schwab talked about cyber attacks. I talked about BlackRock's Aladdin computer buying up all the single-family homes. Eventually, it's going to own everything. What does that remind you of? Speaking of Klaus Schwab, that reminds me of you will own nothing and you will be allegedly happy. <laughs> maybe he says you will own nothing because he knows BlackRock's Aladdin computer is eventually going to own everything. You ever think about that, people? See how this stuff connects? Can you imagine if there's a Chinese Communist Party uh, elite aristocrat that's looking at your home through Google Earth right now? Saying, oh, look, he just put a pool in. I can't wait to use that when I take his spot. When we infiltrate, overcome, and acquire the United States of America. I mean, people, no wonder Putin is siding with Xi Jinping and China. No wonder he just had that big lavish pomp and circumstance uh, presenting of that gold medallion that uh, uh, Xi Jinping uh, put around his neck. I don't know if you guys saw that. I think I talked about it. They're joining forces, people. And Patrick Byrne in this clip says that they're trying to get New Zealand, Australia, England, NATO countries, Singapore, I guess, in some type of axes and allies situation, coalition of the willing, right, situation, creating, you know, drawing the lines in the sand for what could be world war and possibly civil war, if all this stuff is true, here in the streets. What Ron Paul and Rand Paul and others have been warning us about for 50, 60 years now. There's nothing new in this world except the history you do not know. Harry Truman, 33rd President of the United States. <laughs> Interesting, right? Oh, okay, let's move on. George Soros, uh, this guy talks about a little bit. He says George Soros was on board. He was part of the club, part of the plan, until he realized that China had other aspirations, other uh, cards up their sleeve, aces in the hole, right? 
China's playing the long game. I've been telling you, people, I've been telling you. And then they kind of end with this clip where he says what they want is something called neo-feudalism. And I've talked about feudalism on this show quite a bit when I talk about political um, organization, you know, know, like um, systems. Capitalism is a system of sorts. Socialism is a system, right? Uh, mercantilism, feudalism, yada, yada. Well, let's learn. You know, I talked about a plutocracy, an oligarchy is basically a new type of feudalism, a neo-feudalism like these two just said in this clip. And they mean exactly what I mean. So take a listen. Let's learn together. If you don't know what feudalism is, I'm going to define it for you. Here we go. Feudalism, also known as the feudal system, was the combination of the legal, economic, military, cultural and political customs that flourished in medieval Europe between the 9th and 15th centuries. Broadly defined, it was a way of structuring society around relationships that were derived from the holding of land in exchange for service or labor, otherwise known as slavery. Okay, although it is derived from the Latin word feudum or feudum, which was used during the medieval period, the term feudalism and the system which it describes were not conceived of as a formal political system by the people who lived during the Middle Ages. The classic definition came to us through Francois Genshoff, 1944. He describes it as a set of reciprocal legal and military obligations which existed among the warrior nobility and revolved around the three key concepts of lords, vassals, and fiefs. That those three were the elitist ruling uh, ruling class aristocrats, the feudal lords, the land owners. Okay? Is it starting to make sense when I say that Bill Gates buying up all the farms, the Chinese, the uber-rich, buying up all the land, all the single-family households, pushing the average, everyday, free citizen off of you know, the ability to own their own land private, privately. You're going to become a new serf living under a feudal lord. You're going to have to create obligations with your landowners, both legally and militarily. What that means is, legally, you are indebted to your feudal lord, which means you are legally a slave. Do you think that's moral? Speaking of moral versus legal, right? Legal and military obligations. Sam Winchester just got done talking about these military obligations of the serfs living under feudalism on one of his recent episodes. He said you had to go fight and die in a war for your feudal lord. That was part of the deal. You got to farm a little bit on the lord's land. You were legally his property and he could do with you what he wanted. And also, if he had to go fight for any reason, guess what? You're fighting and possibly dying for your feudal lord. And that's what the future 
is looking like, according to uh, Courtney Turner and Patrick Byrne in this podcast clip. People, is that what you want? Do you want to trade your liberty for a false sense of security? And how is that security even possible? How can you even call it security if you're putting the power, your sovereignty, you're giving power of attorney to some external entity that you are, you know, entering into a social contract of sorts saying, I will give up my right to X and you will provide me with Y. You're giving all the power to the other. So how is that secure? How is your situation secure if you're not in control? If you don't take total control of your power, of your agency, of your sovereignty, my fellow Americans. Do you remember when I was talking about truth in the previous episode? The, the way you know something is true is, is that it comes back around. It keeps popping up and showing its face again and again and again and again throughout history, regardless of who's involved what the system of government was, if a war occurred or didn't occur, none of that shit matters. If, if an economy collapsed, doesn't matter. Ray Dalio's book, Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order, every 80 to 100 years, almost identical situations occur and continue to occur on repeat. And like I always say, it turns out that right now, as we speak, people, it's kind of looking like that's the way it is. Crazy. I know. That's scary. It's scary to think that China has plans to take over the United States. And just look at what's going on right now. Trump. Uh, don't know if we can trust Trump. He might be the last best hope, though. DeSantis, bought and paid for by everybody, big club, so he's out. Uh, Glenn Youngkin, former Kyle, Carlisle Group CEO or whatever, he's clearly out. Bush ties, CIA ties, he's out. What do the Democrats got? Robert Kennedy uh, Jr., decent candidate. Who knows what his uh, alliances are? Probably requires some research. Biden, obviously not. Are there any other candidates that that can go? And how can you even trust the election if we're going to go vote on Dominion voting machines? I mean, apparently they rigged the election and um, Andrew Tate was talking about somewhere in Africa. Can't remember what country it was. Sudan, maybe? But they used Dominion voting machines. I guess there's protests and revolution in the streets because they were... They were you know, they weren't accepting the results of the election of the election. They thought it was fixed. And he makes the case, guess what? They were using the same voting machines that we are. And apparently Dominion, this guy Patrick Byrne says earlier in this uh, Courtney Turner podcast, if you listen to the whole thing, he's talking about how, look, these Dominion machines, you know, are owned by China. <laughs> Created by their technology. He said they are technologically advancing past the United States. They're going to use one of our biggest historic weapons that we have used 
against us because they're getting better at it than us. They're moving forwards. We're moving backwards. They're going up. We're going down. Peaks and valleys, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. The nature of reality. The nature of humanity. What a world. What a world. We are living in. Let's take a listen to a little bit more. I think she asks him, what do you foresee here in the upcoming year in 2024? So let's see what Mr. Patrick Byrne, um, Ivy League educated, uh, seemingly big club family member. Who knows where this guy's uh, allegiances lie? Seems like a great American, though. Seems like he's fighting the good fight. Uh, but who knows if he's got skeletons. Uh, let's continue to listen. What does he foresee 2024? Here we go. So what do you see for 2024? I see that the either the U.S. gets through. I, first, I'm afraid the other side won't let us have an election. They're afraid they're going to be hung from trees. And I know that because I get asked. I promise them you're not going to be hung from trees if you listen to me. I'm the one guy in this stadium probably who doesn't want you hung from trees. But we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I was actually so pleased to see Donald J. Trump use that expression last week. Did you hear that? Yeah. That I've been saying this for two years. We need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission we get through everything. Everything gets exposed. You know, church committee. You know how that works? How, how these? How, how we get that? That's how they did it in South Africa after apartheid. It's actually why mm-hmm. Mandela deserved such, you know, was such a wonderful figure. He said, look, what are we going to do? <laughs> Allegedly. Quarter million people in prison. Every white guy was a prison guard or a cop or something. No. So they set up these commissions in every town. You could come down and confess publicly. I was a prison guard for 23 years. And while I did, I... I murdered seven guys and I tortured 52 times. And you just put it all out there and everything was forgiven and there was no prosecution. But if you left something out and they found out about it later when someone else testified, they could come and prosecute you for that. So it created a great incentive for everyone just to come forward and in 60 days get everything on the table that it happened. And you don't tie up the country in 15 years of prosecution. Well, and not only that, but I think when you have the transparency... There's less corruption because when you when you pick out players, key players who you're going to prosecute and who you're going to punish, then a lot of things get swept under the rug. We saw this with the Nuremberg trials, right? And then we had Operation Paperclip. So you had a bunch of figures take the fall and look, look, we got them. We got them. But then what what really mm, happened is they just shuttled the whole entire operation into our intelligence agencies. And they kept the operation going. And that's what Operation Paperclip was all about. So I think if you have the transparency, I mean, there's always going to be some level of corruption and denial and cover-up. But I think it mitigates against that to some degree. Well, Warren Buffett says sometimes a man has to rise above his principles. (laughs) And I guess you could say the same thing of a nation state. And maybe that's what the intelligence community is for. They have to rise above the principles. Yeah, there needs to be a community that is outside, but in service to the original mission, they're not supposed to take over. Yeah, except that that, that's not quite what we have. And I would argue that's never been the intention. I mean, when you read books like The Devil's Chessboard, have you read that? 
Oh, it's Talbot. It's great. And it's a, it reads like a soap opera, but it's the genesis of our OSS, the CIA. Oh, really? Yeah. The devil's chessboard. Yeah. They're great, great book, but it really reads like a soap opera, except we're talking about the history of our military industrial complex. So, Interesting. Well, yeah. There, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good patriots in there. I'm sure it's a matter of something's gone wrong at the top. Yeah. Come- yeah. Okay. Enough of that. Something's gone wrong at the top. Uh, I don't want to play too much of that podcast. Go check out the Courtney Turner podcast uh, episode inside the communist takeover with Mr. Patrick Byrne. I uh, hope you guys liked that little bit of research and investigation I did behind the characters in this clip today. Thanks to Brian from the it's a hard rock life podcast for sending me that. He sent me that clip and he said, listen to the last 30 minutes. It's terrifying. And um, I can't believe I made almost an entire show out of talking about what I could unpack from that juicy clip he sent me. So thank you, Brian. I appreciate uh, the sharing of information and uh, the aid in helping me create more content. So you guys are doing a great job over on your show. If you guys have not checked out the It's a Hard Rock Life podcast, Spotify, they do video show. They talk about all a bunch of crazy shit that I talk about. They have bands play. Uh, Similar concept, uh, like-minded individuals, kindred spirits. I highly recommend their show. All right, people. It's time to play some punk rock. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, people, welcome back to the show. It's time to play some punk rock, but right before, just real quick before we get to the punk rock, I want to play one more clip from this podcast where they kind of talk about the election and the choice that we face uh, moving forward in 2024. And it was interesting because the two of them in this little bit uh, wove in Antonio Gramsci, uh, they wove in Noam Chomsky. They mentioned Carol Quigley, characters that I have been over on this podcast previously at length. So I found this bit to be quite interesting. And again, don't get too scared by this guy's outlook. It's a little much. And I'm hoping that he is not 100% honest about how well he knows this Chinese plan. But it's a little scary. I'm sorry. Just take a listen. Good. I I think to some degree that might buffer against the the indoctrination and grooming that they do. That's why they have those political appointments because they come out of the institutions that have groomed them to oh, yeah. adopt the worldview and the agenda that they're trying to push forth. Well, that was the Gramsci project—the long march through the institutions, <laughs> take over them, and teach them. I saw even a very famous lefty, Noam Chomsky, say. Why do people go spend four years studying this intersectional postmodernist stuff? It's ideology. 
It's unfalsifiable. You can learn it in five minutes. It's unfalsifiable. It makes no prediction. It tells you nothing. Everything. It's just pure ideology. Yeah, kids go in, spend four years and two hundred thousand oh, yeah. dollars learning something you can learn in two minutes. Cool. There's oppressor, oppress, and our job is to def uh, defend the oppressed from the oppressor. That's basically it. And to progress the dialectic. Yeah. That's literally their job. Yeah. So they they need to, but they have to go through four years of school and spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars so they can be a part of Praxis. Yeah. Yeah. So for twenty twenty four, do you think Trump has a shot? What do you think about RFK being thrown into the mix? Who we throwing RFK? Well, I do like RFK. I do like RFK. You know, the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. RFK may disagree, and you may disagree on various Prince policies, but the big thing that you have to know, he knows, just like DJT knows, which is that there is a corrupt swamp which has taken over our federal government at the top, and the people need to take it back. So I do have to say RFK knows that very important thing. I sure would love to see him get through the Democratic Party, but my guess is they will snuff him like they snuffed Bernie Sanders. Right, right. And what do you think about the voting machines? Like, do you think we will have an actual... So, I mean, you read Carol Quigley, he argues we haven't had an election. The CFR has controlled our election for well over a century. Who says this? Carol Quigley. I, well, I know that our, our machine... I, I, so the machines are newer, but I mean, he says essentially the elections have been rigged for well over. Our elections are much worse than I thought they were. I knew yeah. 20 years ago, I would have told you, but my understanding of the time was there was probably about 2% cheating. Both sides did it. It went in both directions and it sure. probably left the Democrats a net 1% advantage. Right. That's what I thought. I now understand they can take it to 15% if they need to, like in Maricopa. They can really... If they put their back into it, they can move the needle 10 or 15 points, which can just sort of overwhelm any. You know, the game is played between the 40-yard lines. No one wins more than 60-40. If, you know, most things are 52-48, 51-49. If you can move something 10 or 15 points, it's a lock. It's a rigged game. Right. But so what does that mean for us moving forward? Because if they're if the elections are rigged, then these we people We can't get out of this yeah. death loop. Yeah, so it all comes down to the election of 2024. Your election of 2024 is either the election where we get flipped inextricably into a Chavista revolution, in which case you will uh, understand, literally, look up, the, look up the book The Hundred Year Marathon, which is an American book about this. But these books, or the speech by Churhalten and the uh, Unrestricted Warfare, you, it's the end of the USA. We will be a field. We'll be a farm. You'll probably be liquidated in a FEMA camp and, and through alkaline hydrolysis, and then your remains spread on a field as manure. That's what's coming for you. And if that all sounds crazy, you just have to read the Chinese national security stuff where they're talking about this. And listen, I know, I know a thing or two about this. I promise you that's, that's not out of conception for Xi Jinping. But not off the table for Xi Jinping. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, my fellow Americans? Do you think China's got a plan to take over the United States of America? We shall see as the 21st century marches on. This band 
hails from San Diego, California. My friend Eric is in this band, and he used to be in a band with my friend Chris, known as Agent 51. And I'm going to play a couple Agent 51 tracks here in a second, in honor of our uh, co-punk rocking days back in the day, playing shows, rocking out, uh, going to parties, living life, having fun, you know, fun stuff. Uh, But Eric now uh, has recently started a new project called The Gray Company. And uh, I just saw that he posted the other day uh, one of their new singles called Weight of the World. And so I reached out to him and uh, we started chatting. He said, yeah, go ahead and use the song. Uh, Appreciate uh, you helping promote the band. And it's the least I could do for an old friend. So here we go, people making their debut. On the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, here's The Gray Company with their song, Weight of the World. Rising 
The weight on your shoulders is the weight of the world. That was The Gray Company with their new song, Weight of the World. And uh, I think they have another single. I think they just have the two songs up on YouTube right now. So I'm going to play you their other single that they have up on YouTube right now. So here we go with their second song here today on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Here's The Gray Company with their song, Defy You.
my God, Eric, I absolutely love that track. You guys are awesome. Wow. Lyrics to that song theme up with my show. It's amazing. Fighting and dying for what you believe in. They rule, but we defy you. Man, I couldn't have picked a better song to play here for you on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast. Shout out to Eric. Shout out to Chris from Asian 51. Shout out to all the guys in Great Company that I've never met. I love your band. I love your music. I'm going to post your videos. Uh, there's two ly lyric videos that they have posted on YouTube, everyone. Go check them out. Go subscribe and follow them, the Gray Company on YouTube. Um, I will put the link to both of their uh, lyric videos that I um, just played for you in the show notes at politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com and then click on episodes. And they'll go click on this episode, episode 144, Legalize, Strategize, Mobilize. People, I love you guys, and I really hope we figure out how to get through this very difficult time that we are living in here together in the 21st century, in reality. And keep your eye on China, people. Keep your eye on all the stuff that I have been talking to you about on this podcast since episode one. For you, for me, for all of us. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. Take care of each other out there. Start preparing yourself mentally for the dystopian hellscape that may very well be upon us as early as 2027. That's the show. <laughs> Trying to end on a positive note today, but God damn it. Uh, I love you guys. Good night. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I was going to play an Asian 51 song. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Agent 51 used to have a song and the chorus lyric was, may the blood of the pigs run red down the Capitol steps. <laughs> uh, so I got to play that song for you. Uh, I think I have it right here. Ladies and gentlemen, making their return to the politics and punk rock podcast here's san diego punk rocker og's agent 51 with their song left me with nothing the fucking cop he's thinking about taking something no no musket board no no you're not taking nothing
That was the song Left Me With Nothing by the band Agent 51. And that was a fun uh, walk down memory lane for me. I used to go see Agent 51 all the freaking time when I was roaming the streets of Montezuma and El Cajon Boulevard around San Diego State University. Those were the days. All right, I'm really leaving now. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 144 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled Legalize, Strategize, Mobilize. We'll see you next time. How do I know this? Because in 1983-84, I was a student at Beijing Teachers University studying Maoism and Marxism and such. That's Chinese, Chinese history and philosophy, including Maoism and Marxism. That's why you see all of this so clearly. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I saw this then. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because growing up, my, my dad was always screaming like, you know, basically, the communists are coming. They're taking over. It's like, like always, it was, and it's happening tomorrow. Yeah, it's been like a hundred year plan. I, I, at the time, I mean, I was a kid. I was like, Dad, I think you're being a little hyperbolic. And then I got to high school, and I, I, I did an independent study in philosophy in high school, and I was like, No, Dad, you're right. And yeah, I think it's already happened. You know, so yeah. Well, we get the last chance is to yeah. wake up. You wake up, you take it all back. They have revealed themselves for who they are, and. I say America all my life. I've heard people asking, are we debating? Are we the exceptional country? We're going to show that we're the exceptional country because we can defeat this just by waking up. We don't need to fire a bullet. We can, we're going to defeat this revolution and we're going to do it peacefully.